24-24 right now. She's obliterating the record. Alicia Barnall is about to four-peat. The only man in history to do it. Kara Goucher, she wanted to do this event. It was important to her. Here in Duluth, how sweet it is. Her arm raised in triumph. Welcome, everybody, to the Gearing Up for Grandma's podcast, brought to you with the support of Essentia Health. I'm your host, race announcer Peter Graves, and thank you so very much for being with us. Our guest this episode is uh, well-known among Grandma's faithful, or at least she is now, since last June. Egan's Dakota Lindworm won the 2021 uh, Grandma's Women's Race with a time of 2.29.04. And she is with us today. And uh, hello, Dakota. Thank you very much. It's uh, nice to have you with us. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Uh, Grandma's is my favorite race, so I love to help out and be a part of the weekend as much as possible. And you are a Minnesota native, but as we speak today, you are down, we should tell folks, in the Duke City of Albuquerque, New Mexico. Are you down there for training uh, right now? Yeah, yep. I'm here to kind of get into the nicer weather and get some elevation training. It's my first time at altitude, so hopefully that pays off in June. Lots of great places to run and, and a lot of fine runners from around there, as you uh, well well know. So, um, of course, our podcast is called Gearing Up for Grandmas, uh, and um, that's also uh, important in in context with you because you're uh, midway in your own training uh, for the race. So uh, uh, first and foremost, uh, tell me a little bit about how you are gearing up for grandmas. Yeah, I have an interesting uh, gearing up for grandmas this year because I am actually going to make a pit stop in Boston along the way. So uh, right now is kind of my buildup for the Boston Marathon. And uh, when we were talking about my spring schedule, uh, Boston just kind of seemed to make sense. But uh, when I was talking to my coach about it, I was like, well, what about grandma's? I've got to get back. I got to get back there. And at first he was like, well, we could do the half. And I went home and I thought about it and it just didn't sit right with me. So I went back to my coach and said, hey, I want to do Boston, but I have to do grandma's too. I, there's no way I'm missing that weekend after winning last year. So we're going to have to find a way to make both work. And he was supportive of it. So um, right now my buildup is, you know, kind of, I'm right in the meat and potatoes of my buildup because it's towards Boston, but I'm going to take a really short break after Boston and gear right back up for grandma's because uh, there's no way I'm, I'm missing that weekend. Gee, we're lucky to have you feel that way uh, very much. And and my guess is the way you're describing it, this would be your first Boston. Is that right? I actually ran Boston last year uh, in the fall. So we, I basically finished that race and I talked to my coach and my agent and it just seemed right to go back there because uh, it's a unique opportunity to run six months later there. But like I said, I, I couldn't give up my opportunity to come back and try to win grandma's again. Oh, that's that's great. I, I'm curious, who is your your coach, and, and maybe a little word or two about him or her. Yep, um, I'm coached by Chris Lundstrom. I'm a part of Minnesota Distance Elite. He coaches all of us. Uh, he is, in my opinion, the greatest coach ever. He's super even keeled, and 
uh, like when I want to do some things that are a little bit on the crazier side, like running Boston and then running grandma's, he, he's supportive and um, understanding and really knowledgeable. So I think I feel really comfortable and confident doing this because he uh, he knows how to make sure I'm healthy getting to the starting line um, to grandma's. Okay. Well, that's good to know. So a little bit about the race last year. Uh, you're the defending champion. Also, first uh, female Minnesotan to win grandma since 1987, which is uh, pretty significant. So uh, what's uh, can you describe what it's meant to be the defending champion and, and have the accolade since last June um, in how people talk to you about the race or approach her or any measure of notoriety. How does it, how does all that uh, play? Yeah. It's funny because it, it still is like one of like, when I look back at it, I'm still so excited about that moment and uh, winning grandma's. It meant so, so much to me to, to win Um, going into that race. I didn't, when I was doing my pre-race, you know, interviews, I didn't want to be too confident or sound a little bit too cocky, but I knew that what I wanted to do on that day was win and there was no other option for me. I wanted to take, uh, take the lead from the beginning. And so I, it really just kind of feels a little bit normal that I won and I was, I was expecting it and I didn't see any other option on that day. So it's been kind of interesting and it really kind of jumpstarted my career winning grandma's because I think it um, just brought a lot, a lot more attention to uh, who I am as a runner. And honestly, it's was just one of the highlights of my life to, to win grandma's and kind of make Minnesota proud. And well, that's, that's great. It's, it's really, it's really lovely. So, I mean, you may not have surprised yourself, but do you think you surprised others in the field that day? Uh, Yeah, maybe. Um, I, I think I PR that day by a minute and a half and I think I had a bigger PR in me on that day, but uh, just didn't have the the perfect day. Uh, and I had to run a lot of it alone, which was fine. I, I started the race knowing that I wanted to take the lead and kind of grind by myself. But I think given uh, if I had had some competition to run with, maybe I could have pushed myself a little bit harder. But um, yeah, I, I hope I surprised some people because I don't, I don't know that I was necessarily the, the shoe in to win. Well, I don't think you're given to uh, braggadocio, as they they might say, and um, I'm more acutely aware, um, having been an Olympic uh, ski and and cycling announcer for a long time, about a question of expectation. Um, and um, but um, I'll ask this as delicately and 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 rather gently as I can. Um, what do you, what do you feel about your chances of repeating? Can, do you feel like you can do it? And and please understand that I put no pressure on you by asking you this question. It's just curious for me. Yeah, no, it's a great question. It's tough. It's a tough one to answer because I can't control who else uh, is on that starting line, and I can't control how well they run. But I am going to go into that race uh, with the expectations of myself to win. I'm going to um, train really hard. And I think, it, you know, Duluth is technically two and a half hours from where I live, but it's still kind of my home course. So I think I have an advantage um, knowing that all of the spectators, all the Minnesotans are c- 
kind of on my side and they'll be cheering me on. And I think I take a lot of extra pride in that. And so I, when I am on the starting line of grandmas, I feel like my headspace is better than any other race. So for sure, I'm, I'm going to be there to win. Yeah. And that whole vibe of grandmas, um, uh, is, is pretty special. You know what I mean? It's, uh, it's maybe, yes, for a number of people, there are very elite considerations, but for most people there, it's kind of a celebration of running it. There's, there's joy to it. And, um, I, I sense that you, uh, you understand that joy that comes through sport. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think when you watch a lot of elite races and even, um, you know, kind of that middle of the pack or any part of a marathon, you see plenty of people who don't really look like they're enjoying what they're doing. And I, I feel like that is different at grandma's. I feel like everybody is there and they're excited. And I take that into my career. I, when I'm racing, I'm smiling, I'm giving thumbs up. I'm kind of getting the crowd excited. Um, I like to put my hand in me to my ear like I can't hear them to get them to cheer louder for me because I um I just love what I'm doing this is the most amazing job I could ask for so I want people to understand and to like see me and realize hey this this girl loves what she's doing and running a marathon can be fun so yeah and I think that in at grandma's in Duluth there's no no marathon like it nobody is like the whole crowd is so excited there yeah it's really uh it's almost a little difficult to explain the whole milieu, the vibe of the thing, but it's, it's sort of the uh, beginning of the entree to summertime. You know, the lilacs are in bloom. People are anxious to come out into the streets because a lot of people have been inside some of the winter. Although Duluth, to be sure, is a town that celebrates its winter heritage. A lot of people are out ski ski. Uh, skiing, snowshoeing, whatever, snowmobiling, whatever it may be that get them out. But uh, I'm so uh, encouraged to hear you say that. Now, you live in Egan now, is that right? Yes. And grew up in St. Francis? Yes, that's true. Yep. Oh, okay. We got that right. So like a lot of Minnesota kids, I understand you were a hockey player. I have some some good intelligence in that when you were younger. Uh, so I guess uh, given that, when and how did running come into the picture? Yeah, so I started playing hockey in the second grade. And like a true Minnesotan, I absolutely loved it. Um, and I was a goalie and was super obsessed with it. And going into my, or while I was in my freshman year, I became I probably had like an unhealthy relationship with hockey, to be honest. All my friends were hockey players. Um, all summer long, I dedicated to hockey. I got home from school. And even if it wasn't hockey season, I was still um, practicing and working on my hand-eye coordination. And my highest highs were, were with hockey and my lowest lows were with hockey. So I think my mom saw that and just was like, hey, you know, great athletes are great at a lot of things. So it's really a good opportunity right now to broaden your horizons. It's a good opportunity to make new friends and um, plenty of like the best athletes in the world are multiple sport athletes. So um, in that moment, I thought she was trying to ruin my life. To be honest, I didn't want to do anything but hockey. Um, and so it was the spring season and I had the option of tennis or track. And 
I wanted to do tennis immediately because of the hand-eye coordination factor. And I uh, went to a practice and I found out they wore skirts and I decided that that wasn't for me. <laughs> I'm not really like a, somebody who likes to wear skirts. So I, I thought, you know, I win the mile in my gym class every time. Um, so I, I must be pretty good at running. Uh, so I tried out for the track and field team and uh, joined the distance team or the distance events. And I took last a lot of the time that first year, I was probably our worst runner on the team, but I really fell in love with the fact that unlike a lot of other sports, you really get out um, what you put into running. So like when you, you work hard and you really dedicate yourself, you see a lot of success. Whereas in hockey, it was different because I was a goalie. I could have a really great game, but we could still lose um, because I can't control who scores. Um, on my team. So that's kind of how I fell in love with it. So uh, from then on, you went to Northern State and uh, you ran up there. What was what was your college career like? You know, it was a pretty underwhelming. Also, I was a walk on athlete there. Um, and I took me a couple years to find really any success. I was a pretty middle of the road division two runner uh, my freshman and sophomore year. Um, towards the end of my sophomore year, I hit my stride and I qualified for my first national meet. Um, but I believe I took last at nationals that year in the 10K and had a few more national meets that just really went down the toilet. Uh, and I just didn't perform to the best of my abilities, I guess. And I ended up graduating a two-time All-American, but was pretty underwhelming in terms of like, uh, times I suppose and I wasn't somebody who you would expect to see post-collegiately running um, competitively so I mean I had a great coach and I think that he really shaped me and um, really helped me become better very steadily which has provided like longevity in my sport in my career interesting um, so uh, you ran your first marathon in Duluth but it was not on the pavement it was a trail race is that right that is right. So my, um, after my freshman year, my coach wanted me to start doing some, uh, just some summer 5Ks, 10Ks, just to test my fitness. And I don't even really remember how I stumbled upon the Eugene Kernel Marathon, um, the website, but they have this picture of like a bridge that you run across near the end of the marathon. And I fell in love with it. I'm like, that's what I want to do that. Um, my college coach immediately said no. And I was like, okay, that's fine. Um, and after a little bit of talking, he was like, okay, you can, you can run this marathon, but you can't race it. So I, uh, got in the race. I was completely underprepared, but about halfway through, I was told that I was in second by one of the, um, one of the people that were just helping well, with one of the food tables. And I was like, you know what, if I'm in second right now, I am gonna, I have to try to win. So I uh, sprinted for a while and ended up catching first and ended up winning. And I think that's definitely where I fell in love with that really long distance because you, you really go into like a pain that you just can't understand or describe to somebody who, who hasn't ran that far. Yeah, indeed. Do you like trail running still? Uh, it's not my favorite. I'd prefer to feel fast, but I think there's something um, beautiful about it. It's, it's just different. Your expectations have to be different on the trails. Um, and it's just more about enjoying the process rather than like hitting splits. Well, the Olympics are going on now. So uh, I'll just talk a little about your Olympic trials experience. Uh, 
I believe, 36 at the 2020 trials. Um, are you, uh, is it in your mind, Paris, even though we're still halfway through Beijing, um, Paris is only four years hence. Are you considering trying to use grandmas as a, as a qualifier for, uh, for a shot at the Olympic team? Absolutely. Um, grandmas is where I qualified for my first Olympic trials. So I definitely want it to be where I qualify for my next Olympic trials. Um, that that's a reason that grandmas is one of my favorites. I feel like that qualifying for my first Olympic trials there uh, and having that memory is super great. So I want to definitely do that again. The women that you have run with and, and there's some extraordinary athletic talent is, is there a particular, uh, woman that, um, has been kind of an inspiration to you that's running now? I'm sort of curious. Yeah. Yep. I, um, I don't like to like idolize people because we're all human and we can all make mistakes and have bad days, but I really appreciate Des Linden specifically. I think she um, has this really great attitude of she's just going to show up on race day and give what she's got. Um, I think a lot of people are hesitant to race when they're not like at peak fitness because they don't want to be embarrassed or they don't, you know, want to perform under what they're expected. And I just really appreciate her, um, her mindset of, Hey, this is where I'm at right now. It might not be my best, but I'm going to give it all I've got on this day. Well, uh, helping know yourself as well as you do. Uh, you're also a coach with, uh, Minnesota distance running elite. Uh, how are you enjoying that? And how many clients do you work with? Yeah. So my team is Minnesota distance elite, but I coach for a team run run. Um, I work with about 20 athletes of all, um, of all ranges. I work with some that are just running 5Ks or maybe just starting out running. Um, and then I work with a couple that are even trying to qualify for the Olympic trials in the marathon. And I really enjoy it um, because I think it's really opened my eyes to, let me think how to say it. I It's really taught me a lot about myself as a runner. I think it's really easy for me to give my athletes advice like, oh, this workout didn't go well, but that's that's okay. That happens. But, um, where before if I, my workout didn't go well, I might kind of panic about it. But now that I'm giving this advice and kind of seeing it from the other side, I'm, I'm learning a lot more about myself as an athlete and I'm able to mentally just kind of, um, brush some of those things off that used to really paranoy me. You know, for, for a lot of people, um, running grandmas is actually often one of their first marathon experiences for a variety of reasons it you know it it's uh, the course being one um the temperature being another the fun factor being being another um so with that in mind uh what 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 one or two tips might you give somebody who's a little bit fearful and a little bit anxious about running their maybe first marathon you know I think the pain, there's no denying it's going to hurt. It's going to, it's going to be tough in those, like, you know, the mile 20 and that pain it's, it's bad, but the pride that you're going to get when you step across that finish line erases every ounce of that pain, you will immediately forget how hard it was because it is so, so overjoying to, to finish a marathon. So I think 
in life, anything that's hard is worth it. So if you're afraid to sign up for that first marathon or you're, you're apprehensive of doing it, just know that it's going to be worth it. Um, I, I can nearly guarantee that you're going to enjoy it as soon as you cross that finish line. And one bit of advice from the chair that I sit, uh, don't uh, go into the beer tent immediately thereafter and start recovering <laughs> no. with beer as I did at my first grandma's. And I <laughs> hydrate first, please. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is some fantastic advice because it's very true. <laughs> but I had that I had that joy that you were you were talking about you know in fact and i i was no great shapes runner at all but you know the first couple of miles it was like seven and a half minutes you know and the guys that i were running with were friends of mine through skiing and far better runners than i and and i remember one said hey pete uh, cut cut it back a little bit because you're just starting too fast and, and that was another bit of advice that i remember as a complete novice um to all this. So, so those, those are, are good things. Um, swinging back to gearing up for grandma's, uh, you're going to be the keynote speaker this year. Uh, uh, and I don't know if you speak with notes or just speak from the heart, but, uh, that that's going to be in Duluth on Saturday, uh, April 9th. Um, how does it, particularly now you've come into this role, uh, as an inspiration to um, other runners. And and we always have people that have inspirational messages, you know, whether it's Dickie B or, or somebody else over the years. Um, what do you think you're going to, don't give away your speech now, so they, they won't go, but what do you think are maybe some of the key points you want to address? I think I really want to address, um, just finding that joy in, in running a marathon and kind of that mental aspect of, you know, you can go into a marathon two ways. You can really be dreading it on the starting line or you can be excited about it. And I, I think that's what I want to talk about is just how to find that joy and how to go beyond that starting line with the right mindset. Yeah. That joy seems, seems really central, doesn't it? To, to so many things. Um, I want to ask you if you don't mind about your mom, um, because I think within it, there's a very, very important message. And um, so your mom passed away and didn't get to see your win, right? In 2021. Your dad was there though. And um, it seems to me, I recall a big hug um, at the finish line. Um, Dakota, um, you, uh, have written strong, fast, last on your hand every time you run. What's the meaning of that? Um, it's just my little mantra that I have in my head. When things get tough, I tell myself I am strong. I am fast. My speed will last It's kind of rhythmatic. It, um, kind of calms me down and it keeps my head in the game there. What was it like to uh, have your dad throw his arms around you at the finish? I, I, I can only believe that it was almost indescribable joy in a way. Yeah. So I think I have to go back uh, to 2019 when I got on the starting line of grandma's and qualified for my first Olympic trials there. I 
um, at CIM before that actually dropped out of uh, CIM at mile 20. And I almost gave up running. And um, I called my mom in the airport and I was just sobbing my eyes out because I was just embarrassed that I didn't perform the way I wanted to. And I was embarrassed that I had failed. And she told me, Dakota, you're going to try again. Um, you're going to do better next time because you know more. And so I got on the 2019 starting line um, with my mom in my mind thinking, you know what, she's right. And I knew I had her support and um, that no, ma no matter what happened, I was going to be loved by her and my family and my friends. Um, and she was sick in 2019 also. Um, so she, I wasn't sure that she was going to make the race. She wasn't able to travel a lot often. So I didn't even know when I was on the starting line that she was there. So in 2019, I crossed the finish line um, in fourth, qualified for my first Olympic trials. I was completely overjoyed. And right to the left, right almost exactly where my dad was standing in 2020, or 2021 was my mom. So I got to walk right over to her. She threw her arms around me and we sobbed and I had no idea she was going to be there. So that was a really special moment. So to finish first in 2021 and look over and see my dad in almost the exact same spot was so joyful. And it's something I'll never forget. Um, actually, he hugged me so hard. He started choking me and I, I couldn't even tell him like, dad, you gotta let go a little. <laughs> so um, I, yeah, I have never, uh, I, my dad's always proud of me and my family's always proud of me, but I've never felt uh, so much love and so much support in that moment. And I, it was hard not having her there to, uh, to hug me, but I know that she was cheering front row in heaven. So. Well, that's, that's beautiful. And um, I, I guess this leads me to one other question because, and you may or may not know this, but I announce a lot of ski racing and um over the course of years, you know, I've been to 13 Olympics as an announcer. Um, and I didn't go to Beijing because I'm, I have some problem with my feet right now, um, in, in walking well. Uh, but I know Michaela Schifrin really well. And I, you probably have watched some of that. And there, there's been so much pressure on her after losing her dad, Jeff, in an accident a couple of years ago in Vail. Um, but it strikes me, and you would know as well as anybody, uh, you know, it strikes all of us. It's a part of our life, but um, there's no timetable for grief, I don't think. And that's something I would tell the detractors of Michaela who are disappointed that she isn't winning every medal right now. This is tough. It's tough stuff. It, it is. Um, my grandpa, my mom's dad, when right after she had passed, sat me down because I, I was having a really hard time. And he told me it, the, the grief is going to come in waves. And it's so true. Right away, the waves hit. It felt like I was getting hit, hit, hit by those waves every single like minute. And even now I get hit by those waves. They're, you know, few and far between. But um, it's, it's just like, sometimes you're just sitting there. And all of a sudden, it's just that knocks the wind out of you. You realize like, oh, that person's just not here. I just can't call her when I need to. Um, and it, it gets easier in a lot of ways, but at the same time, it's just like I said, you just, sometimes it just knocks the wind out of you. And there is exactly, you're exactly right. There's no timetable for grief. I don't think even if I, whenever, you know, at some point I'm gonna lose my dad and I understand that, but like how I grieved for my mom might not be the same as I grieved for my dad. and. I think that's important for people to understand is 
that no grief, one grief, it cannot be compared to another. So, yeah. Thank you for sharing um, that. I know it's not easy and and, um, it's just such a, such an important part of this story and, and, and of your life as well. Um, And now, um, you know, uh, maybe I I can shift gears a little bit um, to, to another more upbeat topic, my dear. Um, um, Before we get into some quick hits about some of your favorite things, um, my guess is you've been to Duluth a lot over the years, not just for grandmas. And, and you've seen it turn into this incredible uh, kind of city, you know, small city. Um, and so much, what, what is your take on um, the, the, the vibe of Duluth being so central to uh, the vibe of the race? Honestly, if you were to go to Duluth right now, it would be it's exciting it's like everybody is there is is happy it doesn't matter if it's negative 20 out everybody is like happy to be there it's so beautiful um and it doesn't matter when you're up there there's just like this really undescribable energy there all of the time um and that does it carries over to the race day and that's why it's so magical there um when you're down in uh canal park it's it's like you're you know in just like a storybook it's amazing down there yeah, it, it it really is. Um, and, you know, there's um, and I've, I've found for years this sort of it's that Scandinavian egalitarianism where like everybody's OK. You know, I mean, as you well know, they don't cheer just for you guys at the front. They cheer for everybody. And it's super genuine, you know, and and yes, they're there are plenty of races that have somebody out playing the trumpet or whatever, this or that, but we have a lot of that kind of stuff in, 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 in the twin ports area. And um, I, I, I think that alone makes um, this race so special. Yeah. Actually my husband ran grandma's. I was the first marathon last year and it was really interesting to hear his perspective of, I actually think there might be more support for those who are kind of running, um, you know, like, non-elites. I heard so many interesting things that I had never noticed. And part of that is because I'm, you know, racing and I've got my head in the game a little bit more, but there were like, um, some stories he he was telling me that I'm like, I never saw that. Like somebody with little trolls who lines them up on the, um, on the curb. And I never, you know, I didn't ever get to experience any of that. Um, you know, someday I'll, I'll slow down and I'll run a marathon to just really enjoy every single step, which I, I do at this point, but it's just different. Um, and I'm excited to go back to grandma's and kind of see what that's like too. Well, I, I can tell you, we're all excited beyond words that you're coming back really. So, uh, let's do a couple of these quick, quick hits. Okay. Um, and, uh, they're kind of Duluth themed. So, um, Wills, are you ready? I'm sure I am. You want to take a breath or anything? No, <laughs> no okay. I'm good. All right. You're all set. Okay. Here we go. So, uh, tell me what's your favorite winter or summer in Duluth? Ooh, I'm going to have to say summer. I'm in general, a summer person, but winter is beautiful there too. All right. Favorite restaurant in Duluth. Oh, come on. Grandma's saloon. <laughs> <Easy>. <laughs> Favorite dish there? 
Oh, the, they have a veggie patty that I absolutely love after a marathon. Every marathon I've had it after. All right. You're doing great, accumulating a lot of points. Favorite outdoor activity other than the marathon? That's tough. Uh, I actually, after the marathon, love to walk to the Portland malt shop, malt shop and sit outside with a malt and overlook uh, Lake Superior. That might be my favorite thing to do outside. A woman after my own heart. I do the same thing. <laughs> okay, so that's good. Uh, now, this is going to tell me if you're a, a city gal or maybe more of a country gal. Would you rather be in Canal Park or up the North Shore? Oh, my gosh, that's so hard. Um, I think there's something beautiful about being on the North Shore and seeing Duluth from a distance. Uh, but I, I'm going to have to say Canal Park. It's I love being down there. All right, sounds good. It's kind of a Mardi Gras vibe down there. All right, beach or trails? Like, say, Park Point or Jay Cook State Park? I'm going to have to say trails. Uh, I think there's, uh, if you leave from the zoo area, you, I'm not sure the name of the trails anymore, but you can do a little uh, trail that goes up um, on, like, Spirit Mountain. It goes through Spirit Mountain there. Um, when I ran the Eugene Kernel Marathon, I remember the first time coming out, you're in the woods all that time, and you come out and you overlook Duluth. And it's the most beautiful site in Duluth, in my opinion. Um, it was so beautiful. I ended up tripping in the in the, the trail marathon because I was looking over to my left so much. But uh, that's got to be, it's got to be the trails. Okay. And Dakota, your favorite non-running memory of Duluth? Oh, I don't even know if it's still there. There used to be like a rock climbing wall in Duluth. Um, it's like a little like uh, adventure indoor area. And my dad... My dad and I went and uh, rock climbed there when I was like in middle school. Um, that's got to be my favorite. All right. Well, that's good. Th those are all I have now. We'll uh, uh, give you an A for effort on all of those. So, <laughs> um, well, we're, it, it, our time is short. It's uh, about time to wrap it up. Um, any other final words that, that you would like to say? I, I can tell you it's been wonderful to have you with us. And thank you for your time. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be back in Duluth. All right. Well, uh, thank you. Uh, that's it for this week. The Gearing Up for Grandma's podcast is brought to you with the support of Essentia Health. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. Please subscribe, rate us, and tell your friends about it. It's good listening. Thanks again to this week's guest, Dakota Lindworm, and we really appreciate it. Grandma's Marathon is proudly presented by Toyota, Members Cooperative Credit Union, and ASICS. We'll talk again soon. So long.